0: Hey there, Giant Robots listeners. Before we get started, I want to take a quick moment to tell you about today's sponsor, Hired.com. Hired is a platform for top developer and designer jobs. Developers get an average of five offers on the platform, all with one application. You get job offers and salary equity information up front before you interview, so you don't have to waste time interviewing for jobs you might not end up wanting. Hired has top companies on the platform like Facebook, Uber, and Stripe. They have full-time and contract opportunities available, and it's totally free for candidates looking for jobs. Now, listeners of Giant Robots get a $2,000 bonus if they sign up using the show's link, which you can get by going to hired.com slash giantrobots, all one word. So, check them out. Oh. Goodbye, present Tom.
1: Hello, future Tom. Ooh, Tom is in multiple realities. realities. It's, it's crazy. crazy.
0: Time's weird giant robots smashing into other giant robots
1: hello everybody and welcome to the giant robots smashing into other giant robots podcast i'm ben and i'm chris and we're going to be talking about the products that we manage at thoughtbot i run an app called formkeep which provides
0: form backends for designers and developers and i chris run upcase our subscription learning platform for aspiring web developers do you know what i haven't done what haven't you done filed my taxes Ben, it's April 13th. Yes. Uh, I actually don't even know when they're due because I always file them as quickly as possible because I get a refund and I'm excited about that. Yeah. What's your game? When, when are they due? Uh, I believe they're due on the 15th. Okay. Have you filed an extension? No. Okay. Th- that seemed clear in the way that you presented the first <laughs> bit of evidence, but uh, what's, what's your plan? Do you Uh, have complicated taxes? No,
1: my taxes are really simple. They're of the sort that if Intuit did not spend a massive amount of money lobbying Congress to keep taxes complicated, they would already be filed by a text message or something like they do in civilized countries. By
0: a text message? That's true. They do that somewhere.
1: (laughs) You you can text message breakup, and you can text message file taxes. You're rewriting the
0: entire Magna Carta right now. Uh, Yeah. I was rereading or reading an article of that sort today, and I'm not a fan of those sort of obstructionist practices and making it more complicated, because I have a very similar, very simple tax uh, return that, really, they have all the information. I just need to write it. Sometimes wrong. Uh, My wife was actually preparing it this year, and originally, the first pass that she did, we owed, like four thousand dollars which was clearly not accurate but we had to spend a while combing through and finding the one box where the wrong allowance had been set it's like this is this is awful on so many levels Mm -hmm. uh so yeah i would be a big fan if i could just say yes those are my incredibly simple i have one w2 wage that's it just take it and run with it there we go yeah seriously also i think business income
1: below like half a million dollars should all just be exempt (coughs) <coughs> to help companies get started man pick a number some some
0: number but like and imagine so, the thing it would do for like starting companies if you were how many all uh, your revenue in the beginning was taxed so how do we limit the amount of small shell company subshell not <laughs> shell but subshell companies that we can uh, break our larger company into so that we can all take advantage of that yeah i think that's a crazy idea but you know it's crazy i, I think it's crazy good Maybe give people two years rather than a revenue sure, value. That, that would be good too. I two mean, years I of startup and some way to manage that. Whichever some comes later. Some things that encourage entrepreneurs, yeah. entrepreneurial pursuits. Sure. Uh, but I feel like there's other stuff we can fix in the For, tax, or, so, tax code first. But there's
1: like weird things where it's like, it costs you, I think it's like $500 a year to have a LLC or something, some sort of like business entity, mm-hmm. like from Massachusetts. And it's like, why would you, why do you have to extract it from like the newest Like someone's creating a venture that hopefully will generate tons of money and tons of tax income and and, uh, tons of tax revenue and new jobs and all that and you're like no but we're going to get our $500 up front right now isn't that why you just incorporate in Delaware come
0: on I guess I don't know. I'm not that fancy yet. I've heard of Delaware a bunch, and I've heard that people do. It. This is similar to like patent litigation in Texas. Mm-hmm. That's a place to go if you want to fight your patent case. Right? Yeah. Delaware is the place to incorporate because of its very lenient, very cheap. And granted, I know this from like one anecdote somewhere, so I might be completely off. But mm-hmm. there are states that I think do that, and similar to like New Hampshire has no income tax. Mm-hmm. It's like all right, you can you can structure things in some weird ways, but. Yeah, I think mostly we should just vastly simplify the tax just, code. Just to be clear, I haven't filed my
1: personal taxes. Form keep taxes. I don't know how that's happening. Thoughtbot <laughs> taxes. I assume are proceeding. At, uh, yeah, that's a good question. Clip.
0: Do do the products just roll up into broader thoughtbot? Pro, I have no idea. I, I mean, we at just, this point, we're a
1: worldwide corporation. I
0: assume this is like a a, a pretty complicated situation. There's some stuff days. happening in the background to make this all work, but it's one of the many benefits that we get by running a product within a, uh, an existing consulting organization. Yep, we do have a kind of an ideal scenario here, Ben. Yeah, people ask
1: me sometimes, like, have you have, have you guys ever thought about like spinning out the products into their own companies? And it's like, well, kind of,
0: but we can't really come up with a good list of advantages. I can come up with a good list of disadvantages to that, like we talk often about the ability to just pull in other thought botters uh we have all of the financial stri- there's a lot of stuff that we get to take advantage of just yeah. working in these lovely offices and frankly, I consider myself a thought botter, not an upcaser, and I imagine you would feel similarly about either a formkeeper or upcase but yep. i'm I'm very much a thought botter that just happens to work on upcase right now. I love upcase, yep, I care deeply about it. Think about it far too much, but I'm a thought botter thought bottle,
1: yeah, yeah. thought bot. I have to like turn my business thoughts off at night, like to fall asleep. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I have to be like, stop thinking about work. Yeah, like man,
0: like manually, (laughs) manually (laughs) (laughs) shut down. Yeah, manual (laughs) intervention. (laughs) Yeah, there's um, there's this guy I read on the internet. I think this is from Cal Newport, who I've, I think I've mentioned a few times on the podcast now, but uh, he has this little end-of-day routine that he goes through, mm-hmm. and it's a couple of things, you know, get this in order, collect the papers on the desk, and then he has a phrase that he says in his head, which is schedule, shutdown, complete. Oh, nice. Which is, uh, he actually says it in the blog post where he recounts it. it's like It's actually kind of a nonsense phrase. Like, that doesn't make sense as words that would go in sequence, but it's this thing that he has now locked in his head, and that works for him now when he does that it shuts it down his brain is like all right cool we're going on to personal stuff and having that clear dividing line I've also found value in having uh, dedicated spaces Mm -hmm. I work here if I'm in the living room that's not work but if I work I have an office space at home so if I am working from home I can do that I can quarantine that off essentially and try and use that but I also struggle with uh, turning off business brain Mm -hmm. have I told you about my lights have we talked about my lights on the podcast we have
1: not talked about your lights so you you reminded me of like that almost like that mantra or that like switch that gets slipped or, or whatever yeah. i think there are like a lot of interesting routine brain hacks that you can have access to and success with uh and i set one up for myself recently which is i bought hue lights from phillips those things are expensive uh, they're not that expensive did but, you buy multiple or did you yeah i just, bought a whole okay. bunch of them um <laughs> going all in on habit change sure, all right yes so uh, there's a base station that plugs into your wireless router, right? And then every light, every light light bulb has like a Wi-Fi router or a Wi-Fi something in it, some sort of connection to the the base station yep. wirelessly. And they all can change brightness and color. And so I wanted to develop a routine that would get me to sleep when I wanted to be asleep. Mm-hmm. And so uh, my target time is 11:30. I want to like actually go to sleep, sleep at 11:30. Mm-hmm. And so right around like five or six o'clock the lights come on at the apartment automatically. So you can set, like, alarm, or, like, uh, you know, scheduled things. Like, turn on this scheme at this time. So at 5 o'clock or so, the lights come on, so that when I come home, it's, like, lit up and looks nice. Yep. At 10 o'clock, uh, my lights go red for one minute, and that's a sign to stop using screens. So it's, like, shut down. Like, don't use the, the iMac. The lights flash to tell you this? They go to re- like go to red. Yep. Like, they, like, fade into red. Red alert. Yeah. It's, like, it's time to relax? <laughs> yeah. Maybe choose a different color, yeah. but okay. it was just, the, this is version one. And so that's like, oh, stop. I mean, red for stop. You know, stop yeah. what you're doing. And so like I shut down the iMac. I like, like go start charging my phone, like put yep. it away. And then, uh, then they go back into a reading mode where like almost all the lights go off except like my bedside lamp, hmm. which goes to like a low orange. Yep. Uh, no blue. Flux style. Yeah, flux style. Yeah. And it stays that way until 1125. And then it goes red again, which is like, all right, time like final like bed prep. Right. And then five minutes later they go off. Hmm. And it's been actually really effective in getting me to sleep earlier. How long have you been doing it? Uh, a couple weeks now. Okay. It's interesting because it doesn't feel like it takes as much self-discipline to get myself to go to sleep when the lights are kind of like telling me what to do. Yeah. As opposed to like, if my target is 1130, I have to like keep checking and be like, how much time do I have? Like, should I go to sleep now or not? And I feel like I have to keep making decisions. But when the lights actually turn off, it's like,
0: well, I mean, I would get- have to actively go out of your way. So this is, I think it's true. It's one of those anecdotes that I know from the internet. So who knows if it's true, but the idea of... Uh, organ donations and organ mm. donating in the U.S. is an opt-in situation. You have to check the box and donate? say yes, uh, uh, opting into being an organ donor. To having that, I like donating. Yeah, being a, just given one away. Organ donor. Uh, so it's an opt-in box. But when they've switched it or they've done, uh, you know, satellite programs to test out, let's make this an opt-out. Drastically higher. I don't know what the term is here. <laughs> not opting out rates. So people be becoming organ donors. That that rate raises uh, very much. And so now. Yeah. Where you wouldn't necessarily have gone to bed otherwise. Now it would be an active thing to be like, nope, turning the lights back on, re-engaging, wake up things, right. and you're like, well, all right, I guess I'm gonna go to bed. And yep. Yeah. yeah. I, I've had success
1: with that in a number of areas, like finances, for example, like mm. setting up a thing that takes money out of your paycheck ahead of time, so that you have to like like move it back out of savings yeah. or wherever you put it. Is like one of those things that works really well for me.
0: Yeah, I've done that one. I'm we're somewhat limited here in that uh, we can only have three direct deposits. Uh, Which I like to do crazier things with my money So I do the same thing I'm shocked to hear that three is not enough for you (laughs) I want to spread my money out between more things. Do you have a Zapier set up for this now? I don't. So I've actually thought about building web apps and things. Do you have for a cron job that runs? So basically behind the scenes, it was ING Direct way back when. They got purchased out by Capital One 360, but they allow you to have a savings plan. And once you set up that first one that you actually have to go through the normal rigmarole for, you can create arbitrary other ones. And I think they all technically behind the scenes roll up into one hmm. like official savings account, but in their web interface and via, you get an accounting account number that you can send direct deposits to you can have these targeted accounts like this is my vacation fund and this is my emergency fund and they're different and you get to kind of uh, parcel them out that way. Yep. In the past, I've had more complicated labyrinth style schemes to mm-hmm. put the money in those places. Now I have to do a little more manually. But yeah, I'm definitely into all of those sorts of things. I have a, a script in my dot .files that just handles all that. In your dot .files. How does it connect to your banks through your you're making a joke. Yeah, it's a joke. It's a joke. Yeah. And here I am, like, oh man, how could I? I uh, know. Uh, I was, listen, I was the, amount that, the amount that I want there to be financial APIs that I can yeah. actually work with, and I, you know, check into that once every six months. But turns out they're not. Uh, do you have any sort of um, <laughs> financial APIs? Have you seen the website for our 401k? <sighs>
1: <laughs> like, I would be terrified if those people made an API.
0: Uh, yeah, but somebody could. It like would definitely Stripe be exists. like
1: HTTP basic auth unencrypted. Stripe exists in the world of finances. There's no reason this, like... No, no, I agree. I'm just saying. This could the companies that tend to run these sort of things, the idea of their API, so... Yeah, no, It would probably a be a SOAP, something or other.
0: Wisdels. <laughs> yeah. Uh, do you have any sort of temperature control system to mix into your whole... Ooh. I... So I think... That's that's good. I like the light stuff Uh, so I'm on the other end of the crazy spectrum here I do the same sort of thing but I do it via glasses I have sunglasses that I wear at night Uh, let's not call them sunglasses because that's weird but I have uh, 80% orange tinted uh, glasses that are my prescription Mm. and so my routine is 8.30 start preparing for bed switch into those and then I'll continue doing whatever and I actually like I'll read on on my iPad reading a Kindle but I'm reading on my iPad uh, and I don't have to worry about the blue light now because Mm. it's filtered pretty aggressively with mm-hmm. that tint but um, same sort of idea but it now I don't have to buy, there's like $20 <laughs> glasses or something uh, like that yeah. which was great uh, but the other thing that I've heard good things about is uh, monitoring the temperature yeah. and reduce the temperature leading into bed and that just kind of cools you down and makes bed a more welcoming place. Totally. Uh, so totally I like that idea. Uh, I've also been playing with blackout curtains lately although when I say blackout curtains I went the hobo circus tent route and just put up uh, beach towels in my windows. So from the outside Literal it looks, beach towels? Do you have anything uh, on the on your side or do you see beach towels as well the beach towels are on our side but we also have like sheer curtain there's other layers on our side so we don't see that as much my wife does not love it hobo circus <laughs> that's uh, yes that's the terminology that i went with okay. uh, <laughs> either hobo or circus we get letters
1: from circuses
0: or hobos <laughs> mm. no it's just they're brighter colors than you might expect but they block out the light and actually I've had them up, but not blocking every window and not really trying for full blackout. It makes a big difference, at least in like, I've been doing this now for two weeks. Yeah. Uh, I've noticed a significant difference in just sleeping through the night, which, which is meaningful. Yeah, yeah. I do what you do with, I, I put on a
1: sleep mask mm. when I'm ready for sleep. I tried those. We have, never... the, we have these local and global I know, solutions. right? <laughs> and we have, we're, we're in a different direction on each of them. Yeah.
0: We should probably talk about business stuff. Yeah. Why don't I'm, I go first? Yeah, good. So it's uh, actually been a short week since our last recording. So personally, there's not as much that's actually in the done column. And I've uh, enjoyed our rule of we basically talk about stuff that's done. But so I can talk about a few things. Uh, we have been working towards, I think I'd describe it as elevating the weekly iteration, uh, at least in the kind of public profile of Upcase. So if you land on the Upcase landing page historically prior to today, You could get to individual videos that are part of the weekly iteration, but the weekly iteration itself, you wouldn't get to that particularly directly. There were not links going directly to it. So Mm -hmm. we revised the header, actually introduced a few different links into the header on the landing page, and now one of them goes directly to the weekly iteration. We're also modifying the display of the weekly iteration videos so that they are consistent between topic pages and the weekly iteration index. And it unifies, there were a bunch of different elements. There was the title of the video. If you're logged in, the play state, have you played this before? Have you completed it? How long is the video? Who are the hosts of the video with bigger avatar images that we had talked about a a few weeks back? better, more targeted summary of the videos Mm. for getting people to click through. And the most recent addition is there are a number of videos that are freely available uh, if you do the whole authenticate thing. Mm -hmm. So those are now labeled as such. Mm. Um, So this is all just kind of heading in that direction. Let's make everything as clear as possible. Also, I like the consistency between the different pages. If you see these videos in either location, they will be rendered the same. So the last step that we wanna do there is uh, we have this menu that shows kind of, here's all the stuff on Upcase. Mm-hmm. And we want to put in a bigger link in there, saying like, "There's over a hundred weekly, hundred videos on the weekly iteration, more coming every week on varied topics such as X, Y, and Z." Mm-hmm. Uh, but all kind of uh, still in that same place of focusing on finishing out the marketing, SEO, content stuff. Although I'm starting to peek over uh, the other side of the wall, I'm starting to get kind of antsy, and I want to move on to the other stuff. But I'm trying to focus and finish out the batch of things that I had said I was going to do. Mm-hmm. So. One interesting thing that's uh, come out of this is I've continued to work with Josh Clayton, who uh, hosted the Test Driven Rails Workshop, one Mm -hmm. of the kind of Mm -hmm. founding workshops on Upcase. Uh, And it turns out he has some great cheat sheets that he had built up for the original workshop that just kind of, I don't know if they were ever included in Upcase or Learn, but they're not right now. Mm -hmm. And he showed me these. I was like, these are great. And then I started thinking about it. I was like, wait a minute. These are great if you know the content. I think they might... These might be like I can expose these publicly and I started thinking about other stuff like you were talking about your uh, form validator mm-hmm. and having that as uh, kind of a free sales tool slash useful sort of thing for uh, keep users or prospective form keep users Uh, similarly while i was working through some of this i was playing around with some email styling things so writing html emails and making them not look terrible which is a difficult thing to do and campaign monitor uh, is a company that's in that space and they do an amazing job of putting together resources to let you know what css rules can you use what's the best approach should you still be using tables turns out probably yes that's the way you do it Mm. even though (laughs) The rest of us, the rest of the HTML and styling world has moved on, but you still want to do that. But they have a lot of just really great uh, information there. And so when Josh mentioned these cheat sheets, it was like, oh, wait, should should every course have a cheat sheet on Upcase? And should those all be free? And should those be uh, kind of marketing tools? And I think they can mm-hmm. be designed in such a way that they're extremely useful to someone that you know understands this topic, mm-hmm. might be introductory and might be good uh, marketing tools. Mm-hmm. So I'm intrigued by that idea. Yeah, I like it. Yeah,
1: especially as like a um, lead magnet kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like, give us your email and we'll send you the cheat
0: sheet. And then some now we know you're interested in Vim, so yeah. blah, 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 Vim. And I think it's also after we've gone through all the effort of putting together a course, I think it would be, uh, I don't want to say easy because that will be proven wrong very quickly, but we'll have the context and the content. And basically, if I take the outline of any given course, consolidate it down into little bullet points, mm-hmm that could work as a cheat sheet. Yeah, totally. That's an interesting, useful thing. So for anyone that's gone through a course on Upcase now, they have this reference material. And one of the themes I have in my head is this idea of Upcase being your reference library. So it's not just a place you come to learn once and then you're done. It's the place, it's your external brain. It's mm-hmm. where information about how to do web development lives and you go back there time and time again. And so you want to keep subscribing. Uh, so it all it, it all kind of fits in that. Um, I like that dream. It's a, it's a grand dream. I've been working on it for a while. That was why I introduced Search a while back to try mm-hmm. and help with that and some of the deep linking stuff that I added to the notes and the ability to like seek to a particular point in a video. What's interesting to me is I end up using it a lot. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wait, how do I reference a model in a migration? And I find that. I'm the one who wrote that content. Mm-hmm. And yet I still look it up and reference the code sample that's right there. And it's like, totally. this, I think this means something. If I'm looking up these things again and if Upcase is a useful resource for me... So, yeah. Uh, Let's see. What else? Uh, Turns out Git was broken, like all of Git in the world. uh, There was a major vulnerability. I believe it was major. When I first read about it, it was listed as a pretty severe thing. Mm. Allowed, I believe, remote code execution. Wow. Uh, So that's a problem. Uh, So we had to patch Git. uh, And as such, I got this perfect contrast of, if you're on Heroku, you're fine. but. What about like a Git on my local machine? So you're not running a Git server, okay. and you don't have SSH exposed, so I believe you would be safe, but it's probably worth looking at. We'll include a reference in the show notes today so everybody at home can take a look. I do have a Telnet port open. Is that okay? Oh, you're, you're sunk then. You, uh. You're a botnet at this point. <laughs> you're all a right. bot in a net. So for us, we're running the Git server to back up case exercises. That is publicly exposed to the internet. We accept SSH pushes, uh, all those sort of things. So we needed to patch this. But it was this really interesting comparison for me because... The Heroku instance for Upcase Exercises was patched like the next day or as soon as a patch was available. That happened automatically. I didn't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. Whereas the Git server that we run on DigitalOcean, I saw this and I was like, ah, no. And I was like, "Uh, hey, hey, Joe, I probably could do this, but also are you around? Mm -hmm. And so Joe came and we worked together. And some stuff happened, and it took like an hour and a half, and we found some other weird things because we're running our own server and mm. we ran it on staging first and then on production, and there were slight differences between the two of those They're the and worst. once again, I was just reminded so strongly mm. of the value of Heroku and the value of uh, having a throwaway system and granted for our git server, we do need a persistent file system, so that gets a little more complicated. but it reminded me of like Whenever humanly possible, I want to outsource these sort of things. I want to outsource ops. I want to outsource metrics and analytics. And as much as I can put this on other people who Mm -hmm. then maintain uptime and will apply security fixes and things like that uh, before I even could look at it. Heroku had it fixed and it just kind of worked from there. Uh, Which was interesting because I was talking with uh, one of our developers, John Yarek, today, actually founding developer of Thoughtbot, Mm. and he was mentioning how he had worked with a client who they hired us on to do some development work, but they had something like $25,000 in AWS credits, which I'm not sure where those came from in the world or why they had them, but Mm -hmm. as a result, they were like, well, you know, we have all this AWS money, we should probably just build on AWS. And then some number of developers spent some number of weeks setting up their infrastructure. And they didn't write much production code in that time and they didn't iterate and they didn't figure anything out about their product. For me, I will avoid that for as long as humanly possible. And when I talk to clients, they're like, so what's what's kind of the breaking point? I was like, I don't know, something like $10,000 a month in a Heroku bill is maybe where I start to consider it. Hmm. But when you start thinking about it in terms of, like you really need a dedicated ops person if you're going to do that, and that is a costly endeavor. That's, that's an entire person's salary. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And granted, there are obviously certain things, certain realities in the world that will force this. Like one of the things that they mentioned was that they needed a persistent IP address for some reason. There's some external API that they were hitting that was coded in such a way that it needed a fixed IP address. Ew. So, you know, I got a little frustrated at that being a truth in the world anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then I immediately started to think well, what if you just had a single basically proxy that was at a fixed IP that then proxied all requests to your Heroku app? Hmm. Can you do that so that that's the only thing you have to maintain from a real ops perspective and still be able to use Heroku? Hmm. And I've noticed I, I have this tendency to just like, how, how do I avoid doing this by hand? Yeah. I will do just about anything to avoid doing this by hand. Uh, but yeah, so this was a good reminder. You know, the patching the Git server didn't take a ton of time, but it took some attention. It sat on the to-do list for a while. I was like, ah, critical security update needed. Yeah, I should really get around to that. I uh, wonder if Joe's available. And it just it was one of those tasks that was, I really wish I didn't have to do it. Yeah. Um, lastly, you and I were just kind of chatting about this. This was, kind of came up as part of the work I was doing. I was dabbling in a few different design things uh, and I just want to take a moment to celebrate Flexbox and the fact... That was on my list too. Yeah. So maybe we can transition to you and we'll have a conversation about that. But man, Flexbox is incredible. Yeah. So I bumped into Flexbox today,
1: actually, because last night I tweeted something snarky about centering <laughs> CS, centering stuff in CSS, yeah. which is almost the only thing I do with CSS. Yeah like that generally it's like okay we already have like the designer has already like put something together i yep. just want to make it centered a- along in like inside this box or something right and i was like ah it's too hard and everyone's like flexbox. i was like flex what and so i did a little <laughs> research and i was like oh okay that does seem easy and so today i needed to center something and i centered the crap out of it i centered it vertically just to just to be just thorough just because you could I, I, it, yeah basically just because actually that was the default even it was just like i centered the shit out of this thing and now what and i'm like yeah here we go so yeah, I'm pro Flexbox as of this morning. You're pro Flexbox. Not pro at, but pro okay, that's in how favor I, <laughs> of. Yeah, yeah. I've uh, done it once. I'm an expert.
0: I've, um, I've had dibs. a few experiences now. I'd heard about it enough. And actually, we, it it's probably about six months ago now. Uh, myself and Mike Borser, who's one of our designers here in the Boston office, uh, we did a weekly iteration episode on Flexbox, which was... I basically came to him and I was like, I've, I've heard about this thing. You know what it is, right? Can you tell me in front of a camera? And so we recorded the episode. I think the episode was great. It's a nice uh, brief introduction, but it gave me enough confidence with it that I started to poke around mm-hmm. and things that would have been out of my realm of possibility from a design standpoint. Design isn't even necessarily the word that I mean. It's like kind of layout architecture mm-hmm. is really what I'm thinking. Like I need to add another element. I know it should be on the right how do I make that one be on the left and that one be, oh, I have to float stuff. Wait, do I have to clear now? Mm-hmm. Oh, and what about, oh, if it gets response, I have, okay, never mind. I have no idea how to do this. Mm-hmm. Whereas with Flexbox, uh, there's still the majority of things that our designers, I'm gonna r- reach out to them and say like, how would you, how would you design this? Mm-hmm. But if I know what the design is, my ability to implement something is so much further along now because Flexbox is just amazing. Yeah. Um, so yeah, ode to Flexbox, that stuff's cool yep it feels a lot like uh ruby relative other languages it's very expressive Hmm. Mm -hmm. i want to put these things at the beginning and the end of this thing that is a row and then i kind of just say those words in css and it works and it's amazing yeah so so yeah i'm into that i spent
1: a lot of time this week writing code and answering support requests
0: Sounds like a normal product owner week, yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah, it was, but it was good because I, I sort of had a little rhythm going, which okay. was like, so I, I let's, there was an, a decent amount of support requests in the queue, and I was like, I got to kill this thing. And so I did, and I just kept getting like, all right, I'm sick of getting this question let me see if I can fix this in an hour. Uh, yeah. And then I would and, I would. and then I'd be like, okay, I'm sick of getting this question. And I would fix it in an hour or two. And it was, it was a very satisfying thing because I, I rolled out a bunch of changes this week that I think are going to really dramatically reduce the number of things I get asked about, uh, which yeah. is awesome. For instance, um, I want to throw some love out to accountdoc.com, which does exactly what I want to do, which is nothing more than let people access their own Stripe history to generate PDFs of it. Or to resend themselves invoices, or put VAT on it, or have an address on it, or whatever kind of nonsense they want, it does that. I just saw your face. You are now going to be a customer. Yeah, this is. a thing. I mean, I'm surprised that Stripe doesn't have it. Me too. Uh, kind of. Although they're they're pretty aggressive about not building that kind of thing. You know, they actually like, are really good about their ecosystem and supporting like bare metrics and things like that. Yep. But so I was like, all I want is a thing that does nothing more than that. And everyone was like, we'll do a million invoicey things for you. And I was like, no, <laughs> I literally just want this. And I was like, maybe I have to make this. And then someone was like, this is what you want. And I was I'm like, I'm so glad you yes. found a thing
0: and weren't distracted and didn't
1: <laughs> I wanted to make it. It was gonna be fun. Actually, it wouldn't be fun. I talked to the, one of the guys that uh, is behind it, the creators of it, and he was like, you would not believe how many ridiculous edge cases there are in Stripe billing. And I was like, actually.
0: bet I would Mm.
1: yeah Um, but so you should probably be using this and rip out all that nasty invoice code in upcase because why is that in your code base
0: Uh, yeah I support that
1: and uh, yeah so I I just deployed it uh, yesterday Uh, so far I am a happy customer I have not gotten any (laughs) support requests asking me for old invoices so they give you a little widget you embed some JavaScript and then you click a button and then when they click you just click the button they get an overlay and the overlay is like, here's your whole history. What do you want to do? So do you say you uh, you put some JavaScript on? Okay. JavaScript mm. pa- thing on the page. Sure, whatever. But yeah. like, you know, it's it was easy. And then the little button, the button fires the overlay. And the overlay is like, here's all of your past charges for each one you can like just download it or have it emailed somewhere yeah. and they have a really brilliant, brilliant thing which is like you can add some additional data like metadata that then shows up on all invoices right because people with that need like a special number on their invoice or like some people are like i really want my i want my address and your address on the invoice I'm, like, right yeah what and so uh now they can just add that crap themselves yeah so, Shout out to those people for this sounds awesome. To those guys for a great app.
0: The one thing I'll say is, if I could not have it as JavaScript and instead they give me a mechanism for creating a URL,
1: uh, I think they do that as okay. well. So, so there's that's an overlay option and then there's an inline option that I think does not use JavaScript. So
0: I mean, it might still use JavaScript, but it might be a link that opens rather than popping up a modal or things like that. But sure. anyway, I can look they had, at that. They had yeah. multiple
1: ways of doing it, I suspect. It you seems can find plausible that, that they could
0: you. have that. But this is, this is and this really falls in line with the sort of thing that I was talking about. Like, I get to push all the ops stuff to Heroku, yep. and Stripe handles the majority of this stuff, but actually yep. Bare Metrics fills out the, like, I want to see some stats over time, and then these people let me expose invoices, and... Uh, I'm guessing these folks are probably in the same kind of incubator tech thing that Stripe has, where they invest in these Maybe. external companies. I'm looking at the other companies that they're associated with, and there seems to be a cohort here. Hmm. Uh, but I like—I actually really like that thing that Stripe does. It's like we're going to—we're going to do a really good job with this core thing, mm-hmm. and then we're going to support and facilitate others maintaining solutions that integrate with us. Yeah. Whereas like. Twitter historically has been right. not kind to those who want to integrate with it. Yep. Uh, and I just, I really like that as a mechanism. Yeah, I think that's, it's cool.
1: So that was a big win. I guess I, I can't tell you how excited I am to not get more requests for that. Like, yeah. like I don't mind hearing from people, but like when it's the, a repetitive thing and it like it's like a very stupid mechanical thing that yep. I have to do, like, let me go regenerate some receipts for you and...
0: Well, the other thing, smartphone. and I don't know if you think about it the same way as I do, but whenever I get requests like that, that the app, that, that there's really no good reason that they had to write in and ask me about, I feel bad. There's a certain mm. amount of like, nah, yeah, sorry about that. Right. I've not. To me, it's a bug. Yeah, basically. yeah exactly. Uh, so cleaning those up is awesome. Um, a question I have for you, this is something I kind of ran into this week, is I found a lot of little things and I've been working on some little things of late. And then when I start to work on them, they get bigger. And they get a little mm-hmm. bit bigger. And then suddenly it's like, wow, I dumped, all right, there's four hours into this. All I'm doing is adding a link to the header. What's going on? But it turns out there's fidgety things and I have to fight with this. And it, it ends up sprawling in complexity. Uh, so it sounds like you've had a relatively straightforward time this week. But I imagine you're, you've experienced this phenomenon before. So what do you do? So it sounds like
1: maybe that you are running into technical debt.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, Upcase, we've talked about this a bunch of times, but Upcase has a long history. Mm-hmm. Uh, Upcase has gone through many, many developers and designers' hands. And as much as I think people have put in a heroic effort to keep it clean, to keep it representative of the business that it is now, it does have some some technical debt, some uh, architectural debt, all of those sort of things. Mm-hmm. But again, like my concern is that these things take a bit of time and in general, I feel like I want to be moving so much faster. It's, I, I feel like I'm one of my clients now saying Well,
1: well so <laughs> I guess, right, yeah. I mean, I guess it depends on what you're spending your time doing. Like if you, if you start a thing and it turns out to be harder than you thought it was going to be just because it's hard, it actually is hard and there's like a core complexity there that you mm-hmm. didn't realize, then that I think has a different answer than you start a thing, it should be easy, it is hard because of technical debt. Right. Uh, I think it, my answer would depend on, on that. Do you have a sense of which of those it is?
0: Uh, Well, so this is more of a broad thing. It's not specific. Like in this case, there's uh, the one thing that comes to mind is I was working on the header and so we introduced two new links into the header, Mm -hmm. but then they don't fit at different responsive breakpoints. So then there was a little bit of fidgeting to make that work. And it turns out, that CSS has been copied and rearranged and some, some stuff's happened there. So I ha- there was definitely some technical debt in the styles. Mm-hmm. Not insurmountable, but not enough. Like this was definitely not the breaking point where I decided to go back and rebuild that. And frankly, I completely lack the technical capabilities to do that. So I'd need a week of a designer's time, maybe not a week, but some amount. Yep. And frankly, if I have that time available, I'm going to use that for something else, something that's user-facing. Spoken like a product person. Uh, that's that's what I'm becoming. But I guess for me, the thing, the question that I had more in mind was, when do you call it? When do you say this thing was worth an hour's effort? I've put in two hours, mm-hmm. but that's a sunk cost. Mm-hmm. I'm going to call it now and say I'm just not doing this thing because it's not doable now, and I don't have time to do the broader refactor that I really should do. Uh, um, not. I mean, I, I'm not sure. I
1: guess it's. I, mean, I feel like that's like the wisdom that you need to develop over a career of yeah. you know programming. I'd say maybe one time in. Six or seven, I end up doing that. Mm-hmm. Like I start down a path, and I'm just like, ooh, you know what? This is no, never yeah. mind. And I just blow away the branch and and go do something else. But I also think I like paying down. If you, if you do run into technical debt, I like paying it down in bits. So like, unlike like rip, like rewriting the Ember thing. Yeah. Like I like to kind of like let's let's clean up a little bit while we're here. Yeah. And so if I if a feature that would have taken me an hour takes me two hours because I'm making other stuff really nice, then I kind of I think I'm willing to pay that. Yep. Expense like
0: yeah, I think I'm I'm very much in a similar place, and I don't necessarily feel bad about this or feel like this is something that I do poorly, but I feel like this is one of the difficulties of managing a product, mm-hmm. I think, is, is finding those points, deciding how to handle it. Uh, recently, in the past, like I don't know, month or so, there were a number of changes that I was making to the videos page, the shows page, the topic pages, and I ended up doing a refactoring across all of them where we used to split on, are you a subscriber, are you not, and render two different templates. That in hindsight now was a very good refactoring that I've like, everything has been easier since then. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's an example of where that has worked well, but uh, this was just kind of something that was on my mind this week. And I basically, like I said, I I think I fall into the same line of thinking that you have, but I think it's a thing worth naming and worth saying out loud and being like, how do I think about this? Mm -hmm. Um,
1: And when I'm doing stuff, I'm often looking for the point where I can stop. Mm-hmm. so it's like ah, oh, I could make it like ten percent better, but eh, let's can I but could I just ship it here and move on to the yeah. next thing, and that's good enough, yep, I feel like you maybe tend a little bit more towards the like wanna get it all
0: at once sort um, of mentality or like make it perhaps really historically, great. I don't know if you were to ask Gabe, I think he would tell you that my phrase of late has been, so how do we get this done in one form or another today how do we how do we complete this thing mm hmm yeah, I've been I've been reaching out for that sort of help. Like, all right, c- can you think of a solution that isn't necessarily the big whiz bang that we were talking about, but is there like a simple way that we can get this done now? Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I'm growing, maybe okay. I'm different, or maybe I'm the same, I don't know.
1: Yep, so, so I had a nice rhythm going that I was happy with. A lot of it was also just stuff that was um, small UX issues that left over from the Ember rewrite, mm-hmm. where it's like, oh, when you update this thing, there's no Flash anymore, because we used to do that with JavaScript or something. Um or react or whatever those JavaScript words are. It's react. React. It was, a, yeah. R A A K. Yeah. Okay. It's not, um, that. it's just terrible. So some of it conditions. was just like, I had like some interesting bugs where like we were failing to update a thing, but we would just re render the page and not tell anyone why we weren't re updating, like updating it. Oh. So they were like, this doesn't update. And I would go try it. And I'd be like, yeah, it does. Like for instance, like we have mm-hmm. a thing like a validation, like you need to enter. Uh, like a redirect url with a um the http up front like mm. we need the full url yep. and like people weren't doing that and so they would say it doesn't update but we didn't tell
0: them why we so didn't if they do said it. example.com it would fail but it would right. just be like nope. and
1: then i would go test it and be like http example.com yeah it works <laughs> it's no problem what's the problem and then eventually figured this out yeah so stuff like that that was another thing that helped. it was in my favor this week was that the changes were fairly small mm-hmm. it's like oh we need a flash message oh we need to like do the right thing here fix this broken link um other stuff account talk was great cleaned up some missing pieces from the pricing changes like oh in the frequently asked questions we referenced some other some old stuff yep or wow check out that welcome email that's kind of out of date and so people were like confused rightfully so uh, cleaned up a bunch of that stuff just felt like a good like housekeeping week Mm -hmm. uh, where the app is now more consistent it actually doesn't lie to you in in certain places and usability is up so it felt
0: felt good nice yeah So is that, uh, are you rounding that out now or do you plan to continue that this week and then transition to other stuff? The support queue's empty, uh, just
1: about. Uh, So I sent the remainder of the grandfathering emails. So I'm getting like a trickle of responses from that because there was still actually a fair amount to send. But now we're done. So 60 days from today, I can drop all the old stuff, which is awesome. So stuff is still coming in from that. And I still am liking this rhythm of like fix the things that are causing the most support requests. Mm -hmm. But I think I'm pretty close to done with that. So to me, I'm actually thinking about writing up that change that I talked about where we have some percentage of people are sent to like a manual a concierge onboarding thing with me. And I'm trying to decide if I want this to be like a enter your email and I'll get in touch with you or like a direct link to like Calendly. Have you used Calendly? Uh,
0: I know of it. Yeah. It's like one of these like book a time with me kind of thing. So do you have any concerns that that basically puts up a wall and says you can't Mm -hmm. use, you just paid, you can't use the product?
1: Oh, no, I wouldn't do it before they, I wouldn't let them even sign up for it. Okay. So, but yes, there would be a wall. So it would be like some percentage of users when they clicked like sign up would enter a username and password and then be like, hey, let's get you onboarded by scheduling this call or something. Mm -hmm. But yes, it definitely is a roadblock. And so um, my thought was to do it for a small percentage of people, like keep 80% of people through the normal sign up flow. Direct twenty percent of them to this like new page. Yep, uh,
0: and try to get some people scheduled. I don't otherwise know how to get new people in on yeah. a call with me. Uh, so I've been thinking about this. I'm intrigued to see what mechanism you get to because mm-hmm. I would like to basically copy it after you figure it out. Okay, uh, but I definitely want to do the same sort of thing. And I think that exactly what you're defining of I want someone who is actively pressing the I would like to buy button, and I want to stop them there and say, wait, yeah, let's do this together. <laughs> right. Which
1: I, I'm sure will have some downside. Like, I imagine that it's going to hurt our conversion rates. Yes. Because um, yeah. st- like, some people will be like,
0: no, I don't want to do this, yeah. and you're making me. so they'll really, have like, an opt-out, actually. So one thing that I was hmm. considering is offering something, like saying, like you can do this this way or go the normal route and just pay the full amount. Right. But offer like a, you get a 20% discount, and that gets people to opt in but then you might now you're seeing biases and who goes in right. which direction
1: and yeah I maybe know. the thing is pop up or like or like display a thing which is like hey like we'd like to offer you complimentary concierge onboarding to make sure you're successful with the product and get everything set up right and then have like a no thanks i want to opt out kind of thing so they can just like get that. back into the flow and i'm not like forcing them to either do yeah. it or go
0: away i mean i think there's still the potential there for uh biasing so the group that would opt into concierge onboarding might be and i don't know what dimension they mm-hmm. might you know align to yep. but i think that fits well on a lot of the other concerns i have so i could see that working well as a mechanism for this yeah but i, I need to figure out something because yeah. i think this is
1: where, where we're at now mm-hmm. like the activation portion of this is now is like is where to focus now because mm-hmm. as, as you pointed out many weeks ago like it's pretty good up until a certain point and then we're like here's a giant page of instructions mm-hmm. have fun with your form and so i need to see people use it and i also need to know more about who they are mm-hmm. like are you a designer? Are you a developer? Are you is this the, the fifth thing like website you're spinning up this week? Do you have a form already or are, do you like need markup? Do you need HTML? Right. Do you need the styles with it? Like just there's a lot of there are a lot of things that I need to figure out. Basically. Are there
0: educational gaps that we could help fill Right, cetera, totally. Cetera, yeah.
1: yeah. And are, are most people submitting this with Ajax? Are most people doing it the old the, the old standard fashion way? The old fashion, the nineteen ninety five hotness. Good old posting. Um so yeah, but that's that's my rough plan. I'm glad we're done with the grandfathering i'm glad that i know how to center things i'm glad we have an empty support queue uh, and I, this feels like the next the next bit we're getting a good amount of trials signing mm-hmm. up uh, i need to actually go through and, and look at our i wish barometrics would tell me my trial to paid conversion this hmm. feels like a
0: thing that like it's got to be a common request have you tried uh chatting with them just to see if it's a thing that they might have i might should just be hidden <sighs> i should yeah they've been very responsive every time i've talked with them and in yeah so I don't want to fiddle this up myself. No. This seems silly. Per um, multiple different conversation points in this one podcast, yeah. uh, we like when other people this, do stuff this and we totally pay them for it. totally should be a thing that they do. Yeah. Um,
1: so, yeah, I'll, I will talk to them. Oh, yeah. Oh, I instrumented our app with um, events. So now I'm sending stuff to Segment.io mm-hmm. of like a entered email password, entered credit card, created form, received submission. So I now have our like activation funnel. Mm-hmm. So now when I actually do start – so I'm collecting that data now already. And so when I do start making changes here, I can – test them uh, and or like just watch the conversion rate change over time hopefully up hopefully up that's about it sounds good I so how's your uh, mrr I- i'm torn about the questions i feel like everyone almost everyone that responded said they liked the questions with the exception of derek exception uh, exception of derek but you know what he is suspect he is he runs a competing podcast oh it's so true he does care about, us, about the stats he does want yeah, he's trying to sabotage us derek we know what you're about So let's try the questions again, and if you are a person that is listening to this and you have strong opinions about the questions, we're still accepting input.
0: We are. We'll also keep them, I guess, uh, at the end. I think last episode I said we were going to not do that and intersperse them, but uh, if we structure them at the end, then anyone who wants to can opt out. So here we go. Okay. So Christopher, why is the product better for your customers than it was last week? Uh, released a weekly iteration on contributing to open source. Fun one. Lots of passion from Tutte. Mm. Uh, so that was great. And uh, the improved weekly iteration display. So the tiles and things like that. I think that will be useful for uh, subscribers and non-subscribers alike. What have you done to acquire more customers since last week? Similarly, we've improved the display of weekly iteration tiles. Uh, additionally, we've done some better linking. So I think in general, we have surfaced the weekly iteration in a much more significant way. And considering how much stuff is there. I think that's a really good sales tool for Upcase, a, a marketing aspect. So happy with that. Cool. Uh, what did you do well that you should repeat? I supported others working on Upcase. So we've had Josh Clayton working on refining some content and John Urich, uh just started yesterday, but he's been working on some Upcase stuff as well, uh, as well as Gabe and Mike Borsair, uh, one of our designers. So grabbed a number of people, was able to get them up to speed, uh, into context. I had the backlog in such a way that I was able to pull things out of it and say, there you go. This is a task that I need some help on. Similarly, the next question you will ask is what did you do poorly? Uh, and I think... It's like you knew what I was going to ask. It's as if I knew. Uh, this was a double-edged sword where I think it diminished my focus. So mm-hmm. I personally have less things that I checked off, but when I look at what we as a group did, I'm happy with that. So there's some optimization point between those two mm-hmm. that I need to find. I mm-hmm. think I overcorrected towards uh, getting more people involved and supporting them as they're working on things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think I want to shift back a little bit more to make sure that I'm also producing a bit more and, and getting more things out there. Mm-hmm. What do you hope to do by next time? By next time, uh, I, think, I think I'm going to take a stance. And granted, this will have like a two-week lap, so I can always change my mind later. But uh, I've been talking about how I'm finishing out a lot of lingering stuff on the left side of the customer lifecycle timeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think as of recording next week, whatever's done is done, everything else gets pushed out. So mm-hmm. I'm as of next recording, I will be transitioning to working on stuff after users subscribe. Cool. Uh, there's one small caveat to that. There's some, a bigger element that I'm working on that I don't want to talk about until it's in there. Uh, so we do, we will definitely chat about it on the podcast at some point, but that may linger past next recording, but everything else, all the little things that keep being on the to-do list, those uh, are either done or off the list. I don't even know what this thing is. Yeah, you do. I do? You okay. Do. Cool, I'm glad. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> what is your MRR? Uh, MRR is 35092, which is unfortunately down $47 since we last recorded, which makes me a little sad. But I'm still above the arbitrary green line that I drew on the graph, which oh, makes me happy. Good. Uh, ben, how is FormKeep better for subscribers? Uh, we sort of covered a lot of this
1: already, but the the overall gist is that there are a lot of UI rough edges that I would say are gone mm-hmm. now, and support has been responsive responsive excellent yes Uh, is that because of flexbox yeah no no uh what did you do to get
0: more subscribers
1: well not much although the email i sent uh so i did email everyone that has ever made an account Mm -hmm. on formkeep uh we have actually seen a big uptick in uh, reactivation yep so there's uh 500 more reactivation this month than last month what's the
0: absolute number there
1: 12 (laughs) (laughs) okay but still but still yeah so you know that's good Yep. so yeah i think some people and and this is what i was hoping is that some people were were not using form key because for their purposes it was not economical because they had a whole bunch of forms yeah and now it's like oh this is cheaper if i have a bunch of forms and so they're coming back fingers crossed i think that's what's happening fingers crossed yeah uh what did you do well um i really liked my flow this week of (laughs) what just the I really enjoyed the way I worked. Oh no, no I, yeah, I did. Yeah. It, no, I believe you. Not every day feels good. This you is know? true. And like I felt that every day where I was moving between support and fixing stuff that mm-hmm. causes support requests, I felt good and productive and like I was investing in my future happiness by not having these annoying requests mm-hmm. come in. So more of that, I guess. And it's weird because it's sort of the opposite of the like David Allen sit down plan everything out, do a review, figure out the priorities, blah, blah, blah. Yep. And I was basically in pure reactive mode, right? which could be bad, but honestly, it felt like the right thing this week. Okay. It was actually really nice to just be reactive and like let whatever comes in and be like, oh, yeah, I should fix that. Oh, yeah, I should fix that,
0: too. Yep. It, was, it was fun. I mean, I think you and I have both experienced this over time where you kind of ebb and flow between the two, where mm-hmm. we ebb and flow between the two. Uh, but I imagine at some point you do want to pop back up to a higher level and be like, am I doing the most important things though? And so for a little while, the littler stuff often just doesn't get done because it's rarely going to be the most important. But occasionally, if you pop down and say like reactive mode, engage. Yeah. But then I think you have to pop back out of it, and it sounds like your plan is to yep. you know, exit that mode and totally go to a higher level. So yep, cool. so I feel good about it. Uh,
1: what did you do poorly? Uh, I don't know. I don't have a good answer for this. <laughs> I'm sure
0: there's something I just can't think of it. Prepare for the podcast. No, <laughs> <laughs>
1: no I,
0: I had to write mine up too. So uh, like yeah.
1: Yeah, I did not think of a thing I did poorly. No. All
0: right, try harder next week. Do you yeah. have something to discuss? That's what I hope so. to do
1: by next time: is to think of why I'm a bad person.
0: Uh, <laughs> what are your plans?
1: Uh, I I would love to by the next time we talk have already had conversations with people. So have okay. some sort of mechanism out there for getting these things scheduled and start doing them. It, this should be doable in the time period. I have gotcha.
0: What uh, is your MRR up or down from last time?
1: Up 1.4% to
0: 54.14.
1: Nice. Yeah. All right. Yeah.
0: Well, it's been a pleasure. It has.
1: You're a gentleman and a scholar. At least half of those. Okay. Today's show was produced and edited by Tom the Tank Obarski. If you'd like to access the show notes for this episode, you can go to giantrobots.fm/191. Thanks for listening.